Good morning, folks. Welcome to Conversations in Crime. <laughs> I'm going to start this over because this is such an amazingly powerful morning. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Conversations in Coffee. I'm your host. And uh, this morning we have a lovely, lovely guest, and this is spontaneous, and as always, it's unscripted, organic conversation. Mm. Um, please introduce yourself and uh, say something that, you know, say whatever you want to say. This is completely unscripted and beautiful. So, welcome. Well, thank you, Brian. My name is Sina, and I am currently pursuing my clinical um, psychotherapy license, working on getting my 3,000 hours out the way, but you know, Brian amen. and I, amen to that, yeah, Brian and I literally just, just met, just, just met, connected. bumped into each other, yes. and, over um, coffee, over coffee, absolutely, and we're just having conversations about mental well-being and how it, our communities, the African-American communities, the African communities are impacted, um, and interesting enough, I was just sharing with him, a conversation that we had in class. Yes. Um, so typically when we talk about why certain communities are not seeking therapy, uh, we usually go to the obvious uh, answers. Yes. Lack of resources, yes. lack of psychoeducation, and all these, you know, obvious lacks. I and guess. there's that other one of Oh, well, I'm not crazy. I don't need to go see oh, therapy. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a really good one. That's for white people. That's a really good they one. They do that. Yeah. But and that narrative needs to change because there's this, as you said, this generational trauma that's passed down. And it always brings me back to the chicken and the egg. Mm. Because that chicken in the egg will carry that stress of the chicken that laid it if it were under duress and stress prior to giving birth to mm. that egg. Yeah, and, and I actually want to say something to, I'm not crazy, why would I need therapy? I talk about that openly on social media, on Instagram a lot. Okay. Um, I sometimes will go on live and I'll share my own experience of seeing a therapist. Um, that it's not people who uh, feel like they're having some kind of symptoms yes. that need to go to therapy. Yes. I go to my therapist and we talk about everyday life yes. um, whatever my distresses are throughout mm. the day how to cope with them planning mm. coming up with a goal yeah. and scheduling and to have somebody hold you accountable yes. whether you're following through yes. or not those are things that you can do with a therapist absolutely and I think people don't understand that because of that mentality I'm not crazy are you crazy why are you going to see a therapist right. um, but even deeper than that um, like I mentioned to you is the trust issue right that's a big one it, and and when i say trust issue um we're talking about you know going back to slavery and during this period you have slaves that were attempting to escape slavery yes. and for their attempts to escape oppression they were conditioned to believe that they were mentally ill yeah. <clears throat> and this conditioning was passed down from one generation to another generation um, 
I think it's there is a study on multi-generational transmission mm-hmm. behavior and patterns, mm-hmm. and that's what we're seeing. Yes, that's happening with us today. Yes. The disconnect and the distance, and the reluctance to seek therapy. It's more than just the resources and the stereotype and this lack of psychoeducation. It's this deeply rooted trust issue. Um, and so you take individuals like myself and like yourself, um, assuming if I was not pursuing, you know, uh, uh, psychotherapy, and you put you and I in a room with a clinician that looks like Connor. that looks like uh the oppressor Mm -hmm. um not to say that that's who they are but that's just what it looks like and not acknowledging this deeply rooted um trust issue creates the distance it does and so that that i'm gonna jump in and ask a question because i i think about this often there's this narrative that's put on african-americans black americans ethiopian african-americans mm-hmm. you know and I, when i say african-americans i mean africans that have migrated to the united states the diaspora uh different diasporas do you feel that there's a mistrust between african-american clinicians and the african-american population or is that a narrative that's been fed to us and we run with that you know I'll be honest with you, that's not something that I looked into, even thought about. Mm. But now that you mention it, and really right, right off the top of my head, it's been fed to us, absolutely. Um, and you just gave me an idea for a research topic. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> Let's just say that. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. I love that I just added a little bit of value to what your... Made you, what made you ask that question? Well, that's a, that's a question that I have often asked, and I often ask that of people, because there are certain individuals in Seattle that are African-American, but they're not black enough. Mm. And so for the past seven years, Togo Coffee has hosted uh, conversations on race up at the cafe in the Central District. And nine times out of ten, there are the same folks that show up. It's been, begun to grow a little bit. But I ask that question because you have ten people in a room for a conversations on race conversation about race, and six of them are white. And it makes me think, okay, are black people not trusting each other in this brave space? Does that make sense? Mm. Are we unable to because of generational distrust because some of us were made to whip our brothers and sisters out of fear Hmm. that we would be whipped or our children would be stripped from us if we didn't obey the, quote, master, if we didn't whip one of our brothers or sisters, or if we didn't rape one of our sisters because a lot of time the masters didn't want to rape the mom or the auntie or the daughter I mean they did but there are times that I believe that they may not have wanted to just to further humiliate and denigrate the black man Mm. uh, further emancipating or emasculating him does that answer the question? it does answer the question and and you continue to um, go back to what happened to us yeah 
400 years ago. Yeah. And um, not acknowledging the impact that has just because of distance and time. Yeah. Just because time passes, it doesn't mean the healing has been done. You know, healing requires acknowledgement. Yes. And yes, absolutely. That's what's lacking. Absolutely. And, and what I was saying earlier about um, to sit in a room and there's already that disconnect. Mm-hmm. I believe that level of <clears throat> acknowledgement to say, I understand, that will do wonders. And, and just an empathetic understanding. Something you, you may not fully subjectively understand someone's subjective world. Um, that's not the life that you've lived yes. or the life you've experienced. Yes. But to at least try and understand and hear where this person's distrust is coming from, that's the beginning of healing. That's it is. And I think going back to that question, you know, black men and black women trust each other implicitly. We just continue to be fed a narrative that we don't in the ways that we shop and the ways that we eat and the ways that we travel and the ways that we commune or communicate with one another. Um, we do trust and love each other. We're just so segregated that a lot of us may not see it. Because there's a huge amount of trust. And when we think about the non-acknowledgement of white America, in particular white America, because I live in America, so I'm going to speak from that perspective, they will never understand if they're not brave enough to ask the questions. Well, I don't know if they want to ask the questions. There's an elephant in the room, but I can't see it. Yeah. It's not my elephant. Avoidance behavior. I mean, that's just something that we do, like as simple as a relationship. Um... You, you, you know, couples that are in a relationship, there's always that one person who somehow believes if I avoid the issue, it doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Like, yes. be transparent, bring it to light. Um, because what's that saying? Darkness cannot um, hide in the light. Hide in the light yeah. or something of that nature. And it's very true. It's very simple. It's a simple concept, but it's real. When you have a transparent conversation, like this one. I like this it's one. It's raw and, and And you're having this transparent conversation with the intent to understand, to gain a better understanding, to expand your own perspective of yeah. the world. Yeah. It's a good thing for all of us. It is. It really um, is. But I, to be honest, I'm a very open and transparent person. Mm-hmm. My biggest pet peeve is being in any kind of relationship with anyone, whether it's a friendship, uh with people that resort to avoidance behavior, um, wanting, <clears throat> shoving stuff under the rug, or I'm just not gonna bring it up and let's just pretend like that didn't really impact how we're gonna move yes. forward. Yes. Like, life doesn't work like no, that. No, it doesn't. For some people, it does. And, and my thing is. No, I don't think so, because anything suppressed will be expressed one way or another. Eventually. Yes. The darkness, you know, will, that, that light will shine. Eventually, on it, it will. It's like that, those crumbs on the floor. Eventually, somebody's going to see those crumbs. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm more frequently kind of speaking about is being intentional with 
who, where, and how you spend your time, mm. because you're only allotted 30, 30 some odd thousand dollars of life on this planet, um, it's really important to involve yourself with people that want to be with you, mm-hmm. and that you genuinely want to be with, to have an impactful and a profoundly impactful life with people, versus being with people just to be with people. But I want to go back to the conversation about how African Americans should seek out ways to find counseling and to find therapy. In particular, it would be great if we could find people that look like us to help us process some of the generational trauma that we have, that we may not even be aware that we have. Um, It's great to find any form of therapy. I am a big proponent of going to find a therapist of whatever creed, color, whatever. Uh, But I think there's just that, that something... There's that something that you can get from a therapist that can identify with the 400 years of our people being enslaved and changing the narrative from slavery as a people versus people that were enslaved. Mm -hmm. Because we really have to change that narrative because slaves were not taken from Africa. People were taken from Africa. And I always push oh, people. Mm-hmm. I always push people to to change that narrative. Mm-hmm. No, we were not born slaves. Yeah, absolutely. Not. You know, we were born of kings, queens, emperors, of royalty, mm-hmm. and we are that. Yeah, that's who we are. We so, are royal. Um, you know, so you're you're uh, taking me somewhere. Um, where you come from, and how how that connection can help you even better cultivate your own identity, right? Mm. So let me tell you uh, something. Um, so me, I came from, I was born in Ethiopia. I was raised by my grandparents. My great-grandfather was, um, he was the mayor of a small town called Debat and worked closely with King Haile Selassie. My, wow. His wife was a war hero, not your typical, you know, um, cooking, raising children. Yeah. She fought the Ethio, the uh, Ethio-Italian war. Okay. Oh my gosh. Really? With her husband. And, oh you my know, gosh. Ethiopia has never been colonized. Yes. And so and there's and that one defeat, staircase that has Helia Celeste's lion on top of it mm-hmm. that the Italians were trying to. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, Understanding that history, you know, I'm what four eleven, um, but awesome. I uh, often what I get is you're a powerhouse, mm. and it has nothing to do with you know I was raised in Yesla Terrace, mm-hmm. um, wow. but to I was a high school dropout okay. not to mention okay. because I, I I fell for I became a product of my environment okay. at some point okay and to to. But what kept me to go back to my roots is that close connection of who I am, where I came from. And to hear my grandfather say to me, this is who you are, not this. This is in you. So I was able to not only come out of that situation of possibly ending up in jail, possibly, but also, you know, go to grad school and graduate and now I want to get back, right? So these things, um, 
it has it has a lot to do with me understanding my identity because yes. of how close I am to 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 that lineage. Yes. Now I have cousins that are a generation below me, and okay. one because of the disconnect. Yes. Um, they are lost. Mm. And that's what's happening to a lot of our African American brothers and sisters. Yes. Because of the disconnect of who they are and where they came yes. from. Yes. And not under even you're seeing two generations, there is a huge disconnect. Yes. And they're lost. That's terrifying. And there's not this internal fire in them who really motivates them and makes them believe, no, this is not who I am. Right. I am better than this. Yes. I'm not yes. a high school dropout. Yes. And you know you what? You can see that. Great. I'm a high school dropout. Now I can change that narrative and learn from the perspective of true learning versus a narrative of white supremacy. Yeah. So absolutely. I think high school dropouts, I mean, I, I, there's a huge opportunity for a high school dropper, dropout such as yourself to go back and rethink, okay, how do I want to learn and what do I want to learn? Do I want to learn to be under the white supremacist rule of education or do I want to educate myself of the world's opportunities that are there for me? But go ahead, I'm sorry. And, and you're absolutely right. And along with that is really being able to connect to your roots. Yeah. But when there is such a disconnect and um, history that's lost and distorted, right. what do you connect to? You're mm. lost and you're confused. Yeah. You don't know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, self-discovery is such an important component of understanding your purpose and your mission in life. And so you got people running around blindfolded, right. not understanding what their purpose and their mission is. Wow. Um, so this disconnect is really powerful because I even see it two generations down. Let That's alone, crazy. However, you know, 400 years later, like right. that disconnect is, it's deep. And yeah. And it makes me think about, you know, the African populations that are here in America. It's wonderful that our African brothers and sisters have some lineage connection and can and can trace back to the great Haile Selassie but then the black Americans we sit here and we say well I I don't know I well I guess I'm from Africa somewhere yeah. but I don't know and you know what with advancement in technology and the genome the genotypes and stuff like that like find out who you are it's such a transformational Thing to do for yourself. Yes. Yes. Self discovery is transformational, and knowing your roots is a huge part of that. And discovery. even if you can't go to Africa. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even if you can't go to Africa, even if you find out like me, my great grandfather is white. My great great grandfather, I'm sorry, is white. My great great grand cousin was the governor of Louisiana. Oh. Um, and there are relatives of mine that have been made. How do you say it? Have been made reparative, or have been given reparations, reparations. in the way of land? Uh, but then on my on my mother's side, my great great grand whatever is also white. Um, so my lineage goes from you know France to uh, Scotland to England. But I need to find out that part of me that comes from Africa. Um, and I know, or at least when I was in Ethiopia, the elders on the coffee farms. They've assured me that I was from East Africa, from Ethiopia in particular. Um, and I hold that. I hold that really dear to my heart because when I exited the plane the first time back in Ethiopia, 
it was just like, oh my God, this is home. Mm. This is home. I mean, the fragrance, the aromatics. It was, man. That experience, yeah. Yeah, it was just like, oh my friggin' God, I'm home. Crazy. Anyway, we're going to wrap up today's podcast. It has been such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful opportunity to sit and talk with you. And I am so grateful and honored to meet you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Anything unscripted and uh, really, truly from the heart is always the most meaningful. Because what comes from the heart always enters the heart. Yeah. And I think that's what. So where can we connect with you on social media? Do you want to share any of your social media? Yeah, absolutely. I am always on Instagram, Sina, S-I-N-A, Demsash, D-E-M-S-A-S-H. Just find me. That's basic Sina Demsash. Cool. (laughs) Okay. All right, folks, that's going to be a wrap for today. We'll get back at you another day. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Decade. This is Brian. Peace out.